0: to Iris for Sunday, February 4th, 2024. My name is Trevor, and I will be reading you the Sioux City Journal for today. That is Sunday, February 4th, as well as Saturday, February 3rd, to fill out our hour together for this broadcast. But first, let's take a look at the five-day forecast to see what weather we have in the Siouxland area. Today it'll be cloudy and mild with winds from the northeast 7 to 14 miles per hour, a high of 46 degrees. Tonight, it'll be patchy clouds, winds north-northeast at 48 miles per hour, and a low of 26 degrees. Tomorrow, Monday, it'll be mild with clouds and sun, high of 51, a low of 29. Winds from the south, 6 to 12 miles per hour. So, warming up, actually, considering what we had two weeks ago, three weeks ago, this is about as tropical as it gets. Tuesday, partly sunny and mild, winds south-southeast, 8 to 16 miles per hour, high of 56, low of 43. Wednesday, some brightening and breezy. Winds south is 10 to 20 miles per hour. 60 is a high, low of 45. Thursday, morning rain, then a shower. Winds northwest 10 to 20 miles per hour. High of 52, a low of 31. So let's now turn to the front page of Sunday's paper. Headline, wintertime fun on the snow. Hit that sledding hill. Subheadline: it's time for Rivercade's homemade cardboard sled races. From Sioux City, get those sheets of cardboard and rolls of tape ready, and don't forget to unpack your creativity. It's time for the annual Rivercade homemade cardboard sled races. Quote, about 20 years ago, I got the idea to do a homemade cardboard sled race. My brother Tom and I used to do that as kids. We used to make our own sleds. So I went up to Grandview Park and had the first cardboard sled race in the Rivercade event, said Rivercade event coordinator Phil Clays. Quote, we had about 10 people come, and then they banned sledding there at Grandview, so we moved out to Tsertoma Park and had it there for a number of years. This year's races will be held at Cone Park on Sunday, February 18th. Check-in begins at noon, with judging followed by the races starting at 2 p.m. Clay said the opening of Cone Park helped solve one big problem. Quote, a few of the years, we didn't have any snow, so friends and I went over to the mall, loaded up pickups, of snow to put on the hill at Sertoma Park. Now we have Cone Park, a wonderful park, so we always have snow, and we still have this wonderful, wonderful Rivercade event. He urged sledders to start building their crafts. Quote, they have to be cardboard, cardboard, and tape. There can't be any wood runners or metal runners or plastic runners of any sort. It has to be made out of cardboard, Clay said. Free sheets of cardboard, courtesy of West Rock of Siouxland, will be available at the Sioux City Parks and Recreations Department at 550 Expo Center. When asked if he had a favorite sled design over the years, Clay said there were many, but he did single out a special design from years back. Quote, My favorite one was, I can't even remember who it was, but it was one of the bars in town built a bus, a huge cardboard bus, and about eight people rode in it. It only made it halfway down the hill before it disintegrated, Clay said. That's one of my favorites. There's been so many airplanes, cars, castles. Some little kid made a castle one year. Prizes are given for the most creative designs in each age group. Four to six, seven to nine, ten to twelve, and thirteen and up. The Rivercade Royalty judges the sleds to find the most creative designs. That's why I say it offers the opportunity for creativity, Clay said. I call it an old school family event because make your own sled come and slide the hill and the family can be there. The races begin at 2 p.m. The top three places in each age group will be honored. Quote, sledding to me is very dear because that's what we did in the wintertime as kids. So if there was snow, we were sledding. So that aspect of it and then the fact that offering the opportunity to create something, Clay said, the event is free to the public. Quote, let's have fun. Let's enjoy the snow. It's wintertime. Let's enjoy it, Clay said. The event is sponsored by Winnevegas Casino Resort, Rivercade, and the Sertoma Club. Headline, Body Cams Already Failing, Chief Tells council. Subheadline Sioux City Council held all-day budget session Saturday. Police Chief Rex Mueller, during an all-day fiscal year 2025 capital improvement program budget session Saturday, told the Sioux City Council's department's body-worn cameras, which were purchased three years ago, are, quote, already failing. The Sioux City Police Department is requesting $2.38 million next fiscal year for body-worn cameras, mobile audio, video recorders, mobile data terminals. The mobile audio video recorders and mobile data terminals were purchased five years ago. Quote, the in-car cameras are actually doing better than the body-worn cameras, Miller said. Quote, the batteries on board the body-worn were starting to experience issues with those, but the thought was that we would replace all of these devices at the same time, which is why this is coming forward. The maintenance agreement on the equipment is slated to expire in the fall. The department has applied for a $500,000 Department of Justice grant, which was denied. The Sioux City Fire Rescuers agreed to purchase the department's current mobile data, vehicle terminals, and vehicle mounts for $100,000. But the bottom line is we're all competing for the same pool of money. So sometimes it just somebody that doesn't have that equipment, they and they see them as more worthy. It's hard to say, Mueller responded when asked by Mar- Mayor Pro Tem Dan Moore why the department's grant application was denied. Mueller said he is optimistic the city might see some cost savings from certain vendors, but he noted he didn't want to underbid the department's budget requests. The department's current vendor for body worn cameras is GTAC. Quote, this was our first try at this. Well the vendor I think is very good. They know that to be competitive they have to advance a good product, battery life, things like that, Mueller said. Quote, one of the features that we would be interested in is the live streaming. A supervisor could tie into an officer's car that's involved in a pursuit and basically rate or make decisions based on what the officer is seeing. Those are added features that we hope are going to be incorporated into the next generation of these products so that we have better oversight. Mayor Bob Scott asked that during that the request be brought back to the council's March 6 budget wrap-up session. Scott said the council was sold that these would last longer. Quote, I'm the guy that's been very supportive of this, but this is an absolute joke that you spend this kind of money. You don't probably run that camera more than an hour or a shift, and these have already worn out. It's an absolute joke, Scott said. Moeller said that body-worn cameras, quote, run quite a bit. Quote, any interaction you're having with the public. So if an officer is called to a call, they photograph or they video that call for service, they code it, and the next call they go to, they've got to start a new video, Moeller said. The proposed Fiscal Year 2025 Capital Improvement Program, or CIP, totals more than $392 million. The CIP budget includes both city resources and non-city resources. The city resources for Fiscal Year 2025 are $369,393,947, an increase of 403.51% from the approved Fiscal Year 2024 budget, according to city budget documents. City resources include general obligation debt proceeds, which are repaid using property tax revenues, water and sewer utility funding, state revolving funds, which are loans the city repays over 20 years with water and sewer utility revenues, and other sources generated through city operations. Non-city resources include monthly grants and donations received from outside agencies. Grants have increased $14 million, over about 156%, from the approved fiscal year 2024 budget. Quote, it's a total of $392.4 million, which is significantly higher than we've ever had. That's primarily in the utilities. $312 million of that is wastewater treatment plan improvements, City Finance Director Teresa Fitch told the council. Quote, there is $24.7 million in streets and bridges, $12.9 million in economic development, $10.7 million in parks and recs, of which... $9 $9 million of that is the trail projects that are funded, a portion of it through Destination Iowa. transportations at $9.5 million and then the other is $8.4 million. That does include the $2.6 million of public safety items as well. Last year, the council, in spite of objections from the business community, approved a residential, commercial, and industrial sewer rate right hike to help fund the projected $470 million three-phase rebuild of the city's Aging Wastewater Treatment Plant. The Council has committed to the first two phases of the project, which consists of rebuilding the plant at its current location and also slowly increasing the plant's capacity, which the Iowa DNR is requiring. The first phase will address all safety and reliability issues associated with the liquid stream treatment process, along with odor control at York, Floyd, and Riverside lift stations. The second phase will address reliability issues with the solids handling processes. In fiscal year 2025, $300 million is being requested for construction and $12 million for odor control. The funding source for the $312 million is Sewer Iowa Revolving Loan Proceeds. Quote, it says $312 million for 2025, but it's actually going to be spread out across this 30-year loan period, Tom Pingel, the city's utility director in charge of the plant, told the council. it'll be roughly a little less than $15 million a year on that state revolving loan. That's at 30 years with 2% interest. Scott asked Pingle how much is going to be bid in construction work in 2025. Quote, at the end of 2025, the design should be completed and we should be going out to bid at that point. It's a matter of what the council decides to do on the project delivery method, Pingle said. All right, let's now turn to page A2 of Sunday's paper where we look to the um News from Des Moines about the Area Education Agencies, or AEAs, which help support smaller school districts throughout the state. Headline, AEA overhaul bill, quote, will not move forward, House Chairman says. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds' bill to overhaul the state's area education agencies won't move forward in the House, the chair of the chamber's Education Committee said this week. Republican Representative Skylar Wheeler of Hull, the committee chair, halted the bill's advancement after a subcommittee meeting on Wednesday, saying he wanted, quote, further conversations before taking action. In a Facebook post the next day, Wheeler said the bill will not move forward in the committee. The most recent version of Governor Reynolds' proposed bill would give the schools the ability to opt out of the AEA special education services and seek them from another party. He said the change is necessary as the test scores of Iowa students with disabilities have lagged, and the state spends a comparatively high amount on those students without seeing top-level results. Quote, we need to just step back and start to ask some of those questions with the overall objective of making sure that we're doing everything we can to get these kids with disabilities education that they deserve and hopefully see better outcomes, Reynolds told reporters this week. Though the House bill has stalled, Wither and Republican House Speaker Pat Grassley said they are still interested in working on legislation to address special education in Iowa. Quote, I felt compelled to work on this issue because this is about our kids and we have to get it right if we are to make changes, Wheeler said in the post. I believe we absolutely have room to improve. We need to continue to have those discussions. I think it's vastly important to have all the stakeholders come together, work through this, get consensus, and move forward. (coughs) Wheeler did not immediately respond to a request for further comment on Friday. Dozens of people, including school administrators and parents of students with disabilities, urged lawmakers to slow down on the bill in a pair of meetings on Wednesday, warning that the bill could weaken opportunities for special education in the state. A number of superintendents spoke in favor of the bill, saying they want to have control over their special education funding. The bill, Senate Study Bill 3073, passed out of a Senate subcommittee on Wednesday. The Republicans on the panel, though, said the governor's bill was not sufficient and would likely see changes. Republican House Speaker Pat Grassley of New Hartford told reporters on thursday that the majority party agrees that they need to do something but suggested reynolds bill would not be the final product but well, we wanted to try to put a plan together that we feel best suits our school districts that we all represent he said we're obviously going to work with some of the framework that the governor laid out but we also want to sit down with the stakeholders at and see what pieces maybe we can do that fit what we're trying to get to Democrats voted against the proposal in both chambers on Wednesday. House Minority Leader Jennifer Cornfrist, Democrat of Windsor Heights, said on Thursday the Republicans are in disarray after they failed to agree on the AEA proposal. As we watch arguments continue to happen in broad daylight in front of us while they disagree on where to go, we are united in proposing our legislation fighting for everyday Iowans, Cornfrist said. Iowa's nine AEAs, which are governmental agencies separate from the Department of Education, provide special education to school districts in their boundaries and assist with classroom equipment and media services, professional development, and talented and gifted instruction, among other services. Under Reynolds' proposal, federal and state funding for special education would be sent directly to schools who could then decide whether or not to contract with the AEAs. If they do not, schools will still have the legal obligation to educate students with disabilities and could obtain that instruction from a third party like a private company. AEAs would still be able to provide other education media services they now provide if school is requested and it is approved by the Department of Education. A property tax levy funding AEA's media services would be cut. The bill would also centralize much of the oversight and operations of the AEA under the Department of Education. The department's director would be in charge of appointing AEA executive directors, combining or dissolving AEAs, in approving AEA's budget proposals. The bill includes a provision to increase the starting salary for teachers to $50,000. Teachers with at least 12 years of ed- experience would be paid at least $62,000. Grassley said he wants a, quote, reset in the conversation around the bill, but thinks House Republicans can preserve a number of the provisions in Reynolds' proposal. Quote, he said he supports the proposed provisions around accountability for AEA's but wants to make sure school districts and parents have certainty around the services they will receive. Grassley said he the fee-for-service model in the governor's proposal, which would allow schools to contract the AEAs and opt-in or out of different services, could be preserved as Republicans work on a new proposal. I think that we can do that, but we just want to make certain sure that there's certainty over the next several years for school districts, and like I said, more importantly, certainly certainly for parents receiving these services, because right now we feel that's one piece that's being lost in the conversation, he said. In an appearance on Iowa Press and Iowa PBS on Friday, Senate Majority Leader Jack Whitver, Republican of Grimes, says he's optimistic about finding a compromise on the bill and that the Senate planned to continue working on the governor's proposal. Quote, I don't know about starting from scratch because it is a totally different bill now than it was three weeks ago, he said. Quote, we're going to have a continue to have the conversation and make the case why these reforms are necessary if it's going to become law. Des Moines area Democratic lawmakers said in a forum that the AA bill on Friday that the emails and activism for people opposed to the bill has been effective in helping it slow down and preventing Republicans from getting behind the proposal. Democratic Senator Sarah Thone Garrett of Waukee said opposition from the House Republicans is the most likely way the bill will be stopped. When you speak up, it is a powerful thing, so don't ever think it's just not enough or it's too little, said Representative Mary Madison, Democrat of West Des Moines. But together we're a powerhouse, so come to the Capitol, use those public forums, and continue your emails. All right, that is it for the local news from the Sunday digital edition of the paper, so we will now switch over to the Saturday, February 3rd edition of the Sioux City Journal. All right, the Saturday paper... Headline: Roadside Chat: I. Keeping Humor in Messages. Subheadline: Federal Officials Urging State to Delete Funny Messages. The Iowa Department of Transportation has no plans to stop telling drivers to keep their heads out of their apps or anything else that might distract them while behind the wheel. Recent recommendations from the federal highway administrators urging states to stop using funny or snarky messages on roadside me- message boards likely won't keep Iowa DOT officials from using a little humor such as the infamous get-your-head-out-of-your-apps message from a few years back to drive home the importance of safe driving. Quote, we are using our judgment and data to continue with the program as it is, said Willie Sorensen, an IDOT traffic safety engineer. who is one of the people behind a program that comes up with a short safety blurb displayed every Friday on approximately 80 message boards across the Iowa, including two in Sioux City. Known as Roadside Chat, the program began in august of 2013 aiming to increase awareness of traffic fatalities and advocate for safer driving practices that can prevent them each week an updated traffic death total is posted on the message boards and alternates every few seconds with a safety theme message that about 80 percent of the time addresses four main safe driving topics distracted driving aggressive driving and speeding seatbelts, and impaired driving The other 20% include awareness of school buses, snow plows, trains, bicycles, deer, construction zones, and other topics. Messages often contain pop culture references. Quote, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa Drive Safely, in a nod to the movie Field of Dreams. Some are a little more blunt, like a recent one asking, quote, excuse for not buckling, but it's a real killer, end quote. Others are just plain funny, like the aforementioned, quote, get your head out of your apps, encouraging drivers to stay off their phone while driving. Or another popular one, informing motorists of upcoming construction-related lane closures by telling them, quote, shift happens. Those last two are the kind that Federal Highway Administration apparently doesn't like. Critics call the messages distracting or insensitive to families who have experienced traffic deaths. Quote, I guess the new signs attract attention, but are too distracting. Not a fan. One driver commented on the IDOT website in 2023. Sorensen said the IDOT is not making light of traffic fatalities, but hopes a catchy message might stick in drivers' minds longer, reminding them of them to drive safely and help reduce the approximately 350 traffic deaths that occur in the state each year. Quote, we don't think fatalities are funny. We're using humor to get a safety message across, Sorensen said. The longevity of some messages is a real thing. Transportation planner Dark Deacon Schultz who works in the IDOT District 3 office in Sioux City, said he can't remember when it ran, but he chuckles when he thinks of a past message that used an off-quoted line from the popular baseball movie The Sandlock. Quote, not buckled, you're killing me, Smalls, still comes to mind when he passes under the message board on his drive into the office. Quote, if there's a good one, some of them will generate conversation, Schultz said. Frankly, considering our mission, it's a departure in a way. All of our messages are serious, and it's still serious in a way, but it's presented in a humorous way. I always look forward to seeing what the message is. As for the messages being a distraction, Sorenson said the argument can be made that anything, other drivers, scenery, regular road signs, can be distraction while driving. After more than 10 years, he said there hasn't been one crash in Iowa attributed to message boards. Quote, no one has come back to me and said they had a crash because of our message, Sorenson said. Are the messages achieving the mission of reducing unsafe driving? Question. IDOT officials will probably never know. Quote, you can't can't count the fatality accidents that don't happen, Sorensen said. But that doesn't mean that you can't put a smile on someone's face while reminding them to put down the phone or take the foot off the gas pedal. Despite what federal regulators think, most drivers seem to prefer it that way. And the IDOT sees no reason to change a program that's proven to be popular, evidenced by the fact that about a third of them have been submitted by the public. Sorensen said at least 90% of the comments he receives, and he receives a lot of them, are positive. He suspects some of the remaining 10% aren't going to appreciate any of them, regardless if they're funny or serious. Well, I think it's because of our format. We're not doing boring messages, Sorensen said. If they don't like the puppies and kids on the internet, then they probably don't like our message boards either. All right, let's now turn to page A4 of Saturday's paper for more local and state news. Headline, week, colon, finishing jail is top priority. From Sioux City. Ron Week of the Woodbury County Law Enforcement Authority says finishing the jail is the number one priority of the board. While many community members are concerned about the costs associated with the delay in project timeline, Week said they are first focusing on completing the jail and then will fully focus on seeking damages from the responsible parties. Our main focus right now is to get that building completed, to get the sheriff's office, to get the people out of the current LEC to the new LEC, Week said during an LEC meeting Tuesday. A day before the September 14th deadline for contractors to finish their work, LEC leaders announced the completion date had been pushed back to a proposed April 9th at an additional cost of nearly $1.8 million. Authority members have expressed their disagreement with the additional cost. LEC authority member Mark Nelson said he received two phone calls last week from citizens angry about the project and where it is at. Nelson said they both felt that no one in the county is holding anyone related to the project accountable for the delay. I was disappointed that they thought that because it's a reflection on us, that somehow we haven't done a good enough job to let people know we're absolutely holding people accountable and we will hold people accountable, Nelson said. We're actively doing everything we can to build evidence, send letters, engage these parties. John A. Templar Jr. of Whitfield and Eddie Law and Jody McDonnell of Frederickson Bryan, PA, have been hired by the county and LEC authority, respectively, to help with the project delays. The entities have held multiple closed sessions since their hiring. The county is working with its council to assess the additional costs and damages on the project and are working to hold the responsible parties liable for it, according to an LEC authority news release. Weeks said the groups are putting the needed evidence together to hold people responsible for the delays, but the process will fully start once the doors of the LEC are unlocked. Cool. We're on top of it. It's going to work. We'll be there, Week said. Alright, next headline from local and state. Randolph, comma, dog owner reached settlement on support pup. Randolph, Nebraska. Rufus is staying put. The dog's owner, Candace Cook, has settled her federal lawsuit with the city of Randolph, allowing her to keep the emotional support dog within city limits. Quote, he's licensed the city now, which is what I wanted in the first place, Cook said. The city had previously ordered Cook to remove the dog because it was believed to be a pit bull and thus prohibited from living within City limits under randolph's dangerous dog ordinance cook sued the city in june saying randolph the Randolph city council was denying her right to reasonable accommodations under the americans with disabilities act and also was violating the fair housing act cook who moved to randolph in march said she'd been harassed by police about rufus and been ticketed four times totaling 400 dollars for violating the city ordinance The city dismissed those tickets as part of the settlement the city was pleased with the quick resolution of the dispute city administrator benjamin benton said Quote, all started with her wanting to keep her dog, and that's the outcome, Benton said. A federal judge had granted an injunction to allow Cook to keep Rufus in her home while the lawsuit proceeded, but the only visible claim she had against the city was under the Fair Housing Act. The injunction was dissolved in a dismissal order signed on January 26th in U.S. District Court in Omaha. Cook had dis- has dismissed a complaint she filed with the Nebraska Equal Co- Opportunity Commission. Cook said, Rufus, who she's had for four years is a licensed and certified emotional support dog which she said is a boxer pit bull mix mostly boxer the city's dangerous dog ordinance prohibits american pit bull terriers american staffordshire terriers and staffordshire bull terriers within city limits but said the breeds are permissible if the dog is a certified service animal the city had argued that cook's documentation filed with her city pet registration didn't make it clear rufus is a service animal cook said she supplied documents from two psychologists and her treating physicians supporting her need for a support animal. Cook also registered him with the city as a pit bull, but said she did so because that's what his previous owners, who surrendered him to the Humane Society, called him. She said the Humane Society and her veterinarian were required to list Rufus as a pit bull because of the owner's previous statement. According to the settlement, the city will rewrite its dangerous dog ordinance, an action the city had been considering before the lawsuit, Ben said. Cook said she hoped the new ordinance would make it easier for future dog owners to register their animals with the city. With the next person who has a service dog as an emotional support animal won't have to go through the hassles I went through, she said. All right, let's now turn to the briefs sections, uh, the shorter stories on page A4 of today's paper. Headline, Irritant man placed on probation for vehicular homicide. The driver in a fatal Thanksgiving 2020 motorhome rollover has been placed on probation. Chad Velotho, 53, of Ireton, Iowa, pleaded guilty in December in Plymouth County District Court to vehicular homicide by reckless driving. District Judge Roger Saylor on Friday suspended a 10-year prison sentence and placed Velotho on three years probation. Velotho must pay a $1,370 fine and $150,000 in restitution to the estate of Jace Vandenberg, a passenger who died in the crash. Saylor noted in his sentencing order that Velotho has already paid the restitution. Volotho had pleaded guilty to the charge, which was reduced from vehicular homicide, operating under the influence as part of a plea agreement on the first day of his trial. Volotho was driving a motorhome that crashed at about 9.30 p.m. November 26, 2020, near the intersection of County Road L12 and Quest Avenue near Remsen. Volotho was traveling north when he failed to negotiate a curve, left the road, and rolled several times. Law enforcement officers at the scene found open alcoholic beverage containers inside the vehicle. Other passengers told authorities Volotho was the driver, and a blood sample obtained from Volotho showed his blood alcohol concentration was 0.224%, another three times the legal limit according to court documents. Vandenberg, 23 of Ireton, died in the crash, and five others were injured. Headline, Man Pleads Not Guilty of Setting Fire in Sioux City House a Sioux City man has pleaded not guilty of setting a fire that caused extensive damage to a Sioux City home- house. Victor Montepec de, de Leon, 31, entered his written plea Thursday in Woodbury County District Court to charges of second-degree arson and first-degree criminal mischief. Firefighters responded to the fire at 6.24 a.m. on January 8th at 1114 Jennings Street. Montepec de Leon was alone inside the home at the time of the fire and was transported to Mercy One Sula Medical Center he was treated for smoke inhalation. According to court documents, Montepalque de Leon told emergency room staff he had started the fire. The fire began in his bedroom and his clothing tested positive for accelerants, as did the fire's point of origin. According to court documents, Montepalque de Leon was reported to be suicidal the night before, but refused medical attention and was left with family at the Jennings Street home. He told police that on the morning of the fire, he was suicidal under the influence of methamphetamine and had overdosed on prescription drugs. He couldn't recall how the fire started, but didn't deny start starting it. Court documents said. The fire cost more than fifty thousand dollars in damage to this two-story home, which was red tag as unfit for occupation because of heavy fire and smoke damage. All right, let's now turn to page A6 of today's or yesterday's paper. Headline County Attorney laments quote demoralizing effect of online flack. Subheadline, SAC County okay 25000 dollars reward for David Schultz last week. A Sac County attorney on Thursday told the Journal that the ongoing torrent of criticism, much of it online, directed at investigators in the search for missing Wall Lake Iowa trucker David Schultz, has had a, quote, demoralizing effect on those involved. Quote, they're not robots, they're not without feelings, Sac County attorney Ben Smith said by phone Thursday. Schultz, a 53-year-old married father of 10-year-old twin boys, vanished before Thanksgiving. He was last heard from in the early morning hours of November 21st, according to the Lakeview Police Department. Social media users have since taken a standoffish tone with law enforcement, including the SAC County Sheriff's Office, on the case. In December, SAC County Sheriff Ken McClure lamented to quote a whole bunch of keyboard detectives and Perry Masons out here, second-guessing the work of officers. Smith said, in his experience, few of any missing persons cases or cold cases have been pursued as tirelessly as Schultz's disappearance. Quote, I know probably about six or seven officers and investigators that didn't have a Thanksgiving, he said. They were working on this the whole time. I was one of them. The same for Christmas. A lot of time that normally would be spent with families was spent spending extra hours in searching, trying to find David. Last week, the Sac County Board of Supervisors voted unanimously to use $25,000 of American rescue plan funds for the reward for information leading to Schultz. The dollar figure, Smith said, was an amount the county felt they could comfortably allocate out of its rescue plan dollars. Smith said that from his reading of the law and U.S. Treasury Department regulations, the county is permitted to use its American Rescue Plan funds in this manner. Municipalities have a fairly wide discretion in how they choose to use up the up to $10 million of these funds. Sac County received less than $1.9 million in total. Quote, I felt comfortable doing it, he said, adding, quote, if it turns out I'm wrong, if it turns out that Sac County's wrong, the money's been allocated. It has not been spent, and we'll reevaluate that and make sure that we are following the law. Smith cautioned that the reward is not yet active due to the legal and logistical complexities. He declined to offer any timeline for when the reward will be officially published. The Sac County Sheriff's Office, he said, has been working diligently to set up a process capable of facil- facilitating the intake of this information. Among the undecided matters, Smith said, are the wording of the reward announcement and the role, if any of the third-party outfit known as Crime Stoppers and accepting tips. Quote, it's just not a straightforward task, he said, of the reward. We have to be prepared to handle a large volume of incoming information. Next headline, Judge Approves Voter Rights Settlement. A federal judge has approved an agreement between two Indian tribes in Thurston County that gives Native American voters the majority in five of seven county board of supervisor districts. Chief U.S. District Judge Robert Rossiter jr called the agreement quote fair reasonable and adequate in the january 26 order that provides for the settlement of a lawsuit in which the winnebago and omaha tribes and several individuals said the county and the board of supervisors had violated the voting rights act with its previous district map in 2022 Quote the settlement reasonably resolves difficult voting rights issues in a matter that is fair to all parties rossiter said in his ruling the settlement includes a new district map with which the thurston county board of supervisors has approved for implementation in this year's election, the map will be in place until after the next census in 2030, when population shifts could require the redrawing of districts. tribes and nine individuals sued Thurston County, the seven county board members, and the county clerk in January 2023 in U.S. District Court in Omaha, saying a district map approved in 2022 violated the Voting Rights Act because it did not provide Native voters a fair chance to elect candidates of their choice in at least four of the seven districts. In November, the parties reached an agreement in a redrawn district map. Lawyers for the tribes said that they are pleased to have the agreement approved. Quote, this is the third time the county has been sued under the Voting Rights Act, and the third time the county has had to take court-ordered corrective action. Hopefully, this is the last time that it has to be done. I believe that this is it is in line with what the tribes have asked for during the redistricting process," said Mike Carter, a lawyer with the Native American Rights Fund civil rights organization. The tribes and county agree the new map complies with the Voting Rights Act. The Thurston County Board Chairman Glenn Myers said the agreement was reached amicably. Quote, The lawsuit originated from a perceived problem the tribes had with the redistricting map approved by the Thurston County Board of Supervisors after the 2020 census, Myers said in a release statement. At the time, the board thoughtfully considered three maps developed by an independent contractor as well as a redistricting map provided by the tribes, with one of the contractor maps eventually being selected. The tribes and county cooperated in developing a new map, which addressed the concerns of both parties and resolved the issue. Natives make up 50.3% of the voting age population, compared to 43% of whites in Thurston County, which is home to both the Winnebago and Omaha Indian Reservations. Because of the majority, the tribe said in the lawsuit, natives should have a legitimate chance to elect representatives in at least four districts, but the former plan gave them a clear majority in only three. Though natives had a slight majority in two other districts under the disputed map, the lawsuit said those districts were drawn purposely to take advantage of traditional low-native voter turnout and ensure that white politicians maintained control. The board currently has two native and five white members. The county denied the discrimination claims and argued that the map met voting rights act requirements the map was used in 2022 election cycle in which no native candidates ran in 3 of the 4 districts up for election under the newly proposed settlement natives now have a majority of voters in 5 districts natives will have majorities of 95 and 87% of districts that include macy and winnebago respectively native majorities in the other 3 districts are 74 69 and 53% In the remaining two districts, white voters have majorities of 94 and 85%. Terms of the settlement provide relief for our clients and allow them to elect candidates of their choice, said Urza Rosenberg, a lawyer with the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, which also represented the tribes. The new district map does not displace any current supervisors from the districts, giving incumbents a chance to run free re-election in their present districts, when their current terms are on the ballot this year or in 2026. All right, next story. Headline: Siouxland Chamber lobbies for priorities at Iowa Capitol. Subheadline: the group wants affordable housing, comma, education, and child care. Members of Siouxland's business community met with Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds and lawmakers in the state capitol on Thursday to advocate for actions to strengthen Iowa's workforce and increase opportunities for business development. The Siouxland Chamber of Commerce had a delegation of business leaders, education officials, and elected officials that met with local lawmakers, legislative leaders, and department heads in Des Moines. Barbara Sloniker, the executive vice president of the Siouxland Chamber, said the trip was a chance to meet with Iowa's leaders face to face and provide input on the legislation affecting Siouxland businesses. Some of the group's top priorities, Sloniker said, are improving affordable housing and child care options, addressing education and mental health care. And finding economic development opportunities. While we're saying things we like or seeing saying things we like in the bills, things we don't like in bills, we all know it's a process, she said. But it's important for our group to be here and and say what we do and don't like, say we're willing to help if you need suggestions, or here's why we don't like this and here's why we like that. The chamber's supportive of legislative Republicans' efforts to lower Iowa's income taxes, Slonker said. Reynolds proposed a bill to accelerate existing income tax cuts and implement a flat 35 percent income tax rate by 2025%, 2025, and House and Senate leaders have proposed their own tax cut bill. Cutting the tax rate helps keep Iowa competitive with its bordering states like South Dakota, which has no income tax, Soniker said. we we'll obviously want to be prudent, but we are very lim- thrilled about the way it's been going, and the trajectory is to keep lowering it, so that's a positive, she said, and I think the state will reap benefits. House Representative J.D. Scholten, Democrat who represents Sioux City, said he met with the Chamber group and was encouraged to hear that a number of the policies the Chamber was advocating for, like expanding child care and housing options for workers, were aligned with Democrats' priorities for the coming session. Democrats are in the minority in both the Iowa House and Senate. Quote, they just view this as a Sioux City issue, he said, and that's so where I'm looking at my colleagues across the aisle and saying, hey, let's tackle some of this stuff. And there's a lot coming at us early in the session. But I think there's a lot of things that we can work on together. Soniker said improving education opportunities in Iowa is a top priority for the chamber as it seeks to recruit a skilled and educated workforce. She said the group wants to expand the number of years non-native English speakers are taught English language learner classes in Iowa schools from five to seven years. Well, we're trying to make Iowa be, again, be in the top in the nation with education, starting with pre-K all through higher ed, she said. Chamber Representatives discussed Governor Kim Reynolds' proposed bill to overhaul the area education agencies and special education instruction in Iowa with the Department of Education Director, Mackenzie Snow, Soniker said. The bill, which was met with skepticism from Republican lawmakers this week, would allow schools to opt out of the AEA's special education instruction and seek it from a third party and make a host of other changes to their operations. Next story, headline, Iowa GOP unveils plan to eliminate income tax. Iowa House and Senate Republicans rolled out a new proposal to provide a glide path to eliminating the state's individual income tax. Representative Bobby Kaufman, Republican of Wilton, and Senator Dan Dawson, Republican of Council Bluffs, filed legislation Thursday that would put Iowa on a path to eliminate the individual income tax and protect the tax relief measures Republicans have passed. Kaufman and Dawson lead the tax-writing Ways and Means Committee in the House and Senate. Quote, we have heard time and time again from our colleagues in both the House and Senate, as well as Iowans across the state, that we want to get Iowa to a zero-income tax state, and we believe these proposals will responsibly get us to that point and set our state up for continued success and stability for years to come. Kaufman said. Senate Study Bill 3141 would accelerate current income tax cuts lawmakers passed in 2022 that gradually reduces rates until tax year 2026, when most most Iowa workers will pay a 3.9% state income tax. The bill would lower the rates to 3.65% by tax year 2027. It also would have Iowa Public Employees Retirement System start managing the state's more than $3.5 billion taxpayer relief fund profits earned from investing that money would be used to ratchet down the state income tax rate over time. Under the proposal, the new trust fund would would be created, would receive an initial $2.6 billion transfer from the taxpayer relief fund. It would have an oversight board and contract through iPers to invest those dollars. Once the trust becomes operable, 5% a year would be transferred to the new income tax elimination fund used to help lower and eventually eliminate the income tax while assisting with budget stabilization as rates are cut, the two lawmakers told reporters. If the trust fund has significant dollars and sales tax growth hits a certain trigger, the income tax rates will be automatically reduced. Quote, we're doing something that everyday Iowans do for their retirement. Everyday business, everyday businesses here in the state of Iowa, State do, Dawson told reporters. Quote, we're using the money, growing it for something bigger. Kaufman said the proposal responsibly achieves Republicans' long-term goal to eliminate the individual income tax and put Iowa on a stronger path to prosperity. Dawson said the plan ensures the state government can meet its spending obligations even as the state reduces income tax revenue. Quote, ultimately, it's a responsible glide path to zero, Dawson said, as opposed to some massive sales tax increase or eliminating a bunch of tax exemptions out there. Both lawmakers, though, described the proposal as a long-term plan to meet a starting point for continued conversations. Quote, how quickly this bill happens, this is the beginning, Kaufman said. And so this will happen as quickly as people are ready for it. And I think you'll find out as this gets talked about, you're going to find a high appetite for Iowans to want to do that. Kaufman and Dawson also plan to advance a proposed constitutional amendment, Senate Joint Resolution 14, that will require a two-thirds vote rather than a simple majority in the legislature to raise any state tax. Lawmakers considered but failed to advance the constitutional amendment last year, noting this year it's become a priority of the two chairmen. In the near term, Republican lawmakers say they're focused, they focus this session on passing legislation accelerating the already approved income tax cuts. They said they intend to file a bill this spring to do just that, but are waiting on a March report on state revenue, and may use some elements of the tax reduction plan Governor Kim Reynolds introduced three weeks ago. Reynolds, in her annual condition of the state address, called for accelerating state income tax cuts, landing at a 3.5% rate for most Iowa workers next year. The proposal would reduce Iowa state income taxes and thus limit future state revenue growth by $3.8 billion over the first five years. Republicans say the state can afford more tax reductions with a $2.1 billion general fund budget surplus projected to grow to $3.1 billion in the next year, full emergency accounts, and a $3.7 billion taxpayer relief in the taxpayer relief fund. Iowa lost $57 million in tax revenue in 2022-2023 and will lose close to $5 billion over the next five years, about 7.8% of the state's general fund, according to a report by the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. Quote, state state makers nationwide have embarked on a tax-cutting spree over the past three years using the cover of temporary budget surpluses stemming from robust federal aid in response to COVID-19 and the economic recovery that followed the report states. Quote, the tax cuts, most of which are both permanent and tilted towards wealthy households and corporations, will weaken state revenues by large and growing amounts over time, limiting the state's abilities to maintain support for schools and other vital public services, or make new investments that can strengthen the the economy and promote opportunity. All right, let's now turn to page A7, or the business section of today's paper. Or excuse me, yesterday's paper. I keep making that mistake. My apologies. Headline, SUX, that's the airport designation code for Sioux Gateway Airport, to receive more than $1 million. Sioux Gateway Airport will receive significant federal funding from the fiscal year 2024 Airport Infrastructure Grants Program, according to a news release from Iowa Republican U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley. Sioux Gateway is one of t- 20 Iowa airports that are receiving a total of more than $15 million to modernize aging airport infrastructure ensure safe and efficient travel throughout the state and nation. The U.S. Department of Transportation will administer the awards through its Airport Infrastructure Grants Program, made possible by legislation backed by Grassley. Sioux Gateway will receive $876,150 for the construction of a new T-hanger for aircraft storage, Maintenance and service. Another $350,000 in federal funding will go towards the reconstruction of -of out-of-date taxi lane pavement. Iowa airports move goods to market and help get people where they need to go. Keeping this critical infrastructure in top shape will strengthen Iowa's economy and ensure Iowans' safety when they travel, Grassley said. I'm glad to see this significant investment put to good use in our communities. Additional Northwest Iowa airports receiving funding are the Denison Municipal Crawford County Airport, $300,000 for construction of a double pump fuel facility. Sioux County Regional Airport in Sioux County, $23,000 for 23.95 acres of land adjacent to the airport property for use for future development. Estherville Municipal Airport in Emmett County, $360,000 for sealing, crack repair, and joint filling to 4,800 feet of existing runway to extend the pavement's life in the Arthur N New Airport in Carroll County, eighty thousand dollars for the installation of replacement runway and identification identifier lights to make aircraft more airport, airport more accessible through an improved approach to runway ends. All right, let's now turn to the opinion section of Saturday's paper. Editorial from the Journal Editorial Board, and then we got uh, three letters to the editor. First, the Journal Editorial Board, and their editorial is titled Thumbs Up to Area Lawmakers on AEA Vote to Representative Skylar Wheeler, Republican of Hull, and Senator Lynn Evans of Republican of Aurelia for taking a cautious approach on the controversial bill proposed by Governor Kim Reynolds that would overhaul the state's nine area education agencies. Wheeler, who chairs the House Education Committee, declined to advance the bill out of a subcommittee on Wednesday. Saying he wanted to quote further have further conversations before we take action on the bill, which would give schools the ability to opt out of their special education services and seek them from another party. A Senate subcommittee passed the bill. Though Evans voted to advance the legislation, the former Aurelia School Superintendent said the conversation wasn't over and that the door is now open for more for some real substantive change. Thumbs down to the quote, online investigators who have repeatedly second-guessed the work of county and state authorities looking into Due to the mysterious disappearance of Wall Lake trucker David Schultz. Sac County Attorney Ben Smith told the Journal this week that the torrent of criticism on Facebook and other social media sites has had a, quote, demoralizing effect on investigators. Schultz, a 53-year-old married father of 10-year-old twin boys, was last seen in late night hours of November 20th. His semi-tractor was found in the northbound lane of Sac County Road N14, the next day, with the trailer still loaded with pigs in the ring rig facing the wrong direction from the Sac City buying station where he was scheduled to deliver them. Smith said few of any missing persons cases or cold cases have been pursued as tirelessly as Schultz's. The county attorney spoke to the journal after the county board of supervisors approved a reward of up to $25,000 for information leading to Schultz. Thumbs down to Woodbury County Law Enforcement Authority Board Chairman Ron Week for suggesting that the pursuing legal action related to delays that increased costs for the construction project would have to wait until after the new jail opens. We are putting together the evidence that we need to hold people responsible, but that process will not start until we unlock that door for the first time, Week said at the board's weekly meeting Tuesday. During the meeting, said emphasized that finishing the LEC was the board's number one priority. Well, Board members should be commended for that commitment. We see no reason why they would need to wait any longer to get to the bottom of what happened and to recoup taxpayer dollars. As Mark Nelson, the county supervisor's representative on the board, pointed out during this week's meeting, many citizens are angry about the project delays and the added costs to taxpayers. They deserve timely answers and a full public accounting as soon as possible. Thumbs up to all the wrestlers from Northwest Iowa who competed in the state tournaments in Coralville this week. Five area girls vied for state championships at the single-class individual state tournament Friday night. Results were too late for deadline for the journal's print edition Saturday. On Saturday, Sergeant Bluff, Luton, and Hinton will compete for team titles at the state duels tournament at Extreme Arena. For sports editor Ryan Timmerman's complete coverage from both tournaments, visit SiouxCityJournal.com. All right, let's now read letters to the editor from local Siouxland voices. Headline, Iowa bill could allow non-Christian, quote, chaplains. Iowa Senate Bill 3092 provides for public schools to allow for chaplains to be employed by the district to counsel students, ostensibly to promote students' mental health. One of the promoters of the bill implied that since the bill didn't specifically say Christian chaplains, the bill didn't favor a specific religion and was even-handed. I guess that would mean, assuming that the senator from Sioux Center was being honest, that chaplains of the Wiccan persuasion would be equally qualified to occupy this, quote, position. Signed John Polifka of Mapleton, Iowa. Next letter is titled Will Washington, Lincoln be sufficiently honored? Monday, February 19th is a national holiday honoring Presidents George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. On that day there, will, will there be huge gatherings to celebrate at the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial, Washington, DC? Question mark. Will there be national and local marches? Question. Will President Biden and Vice President Harris make televised speeches extorting the virtues and accomplishments of these two men? Will there be a local commemoration event at any church or meeting place? Will the news media promote and report in detail all the memorials and tributes? Will schools, students be thoroughly taught the history and the unequaled achievements of these two presidents? I hope so. Signed, Janet Crow of South Sioux City. The final letter is titled, GOP Tried to Circumvent Will of Voters in 48 States. The letter writer writes, let me get this straight. The party that, every time they'll lose an election, screams, quote, it was rigged, just tried to circumvent the will of the people of 48 states and rig the nomination for Trump after just two states have weighed in. If they were willing to do that, what makes you think, given the opportunity, they won't do for the general election or any future elections if we're allowed to have them, question mark. And I'm sorry, Trump actually said he greatly appreciated the gesture, but for the sake of party unity, they should do it the old-fashioned way. Oh, I get it, the old-fashioned way of allowing voters to decide. That was clearly a thinly-veiled attempt by Trump to appear ethical and be the bigger person, two things he's really not capable of. To paraphrase Alice in Wonderland, politics just keeps getting curiouser and curiouser. Signed, Mark Sturgeon of Lamars, Iowa. Well, friends, that brings us to the end of the broadcast for the Sioux City Journal for Saturday, February 3rd, and Sunday, February 4th. So I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Be kind to yourselves, and if you can, someone else. Until next time, bye-bye.